Good morning, church. It really is my joy this morning to uh, preach from this specific verse because uh, the study of uh, what a husband should be is a passion for me and Nettie, and I'm a constant study for her of, uh, of imperfection, but uh, hopefully some improvement, and I, I hope to prove that to you to a certain extent this morning. Uh, glad to have you with us. I want to remind you just because Billy forgot, and he does that because he doesn't want to show me up. Uh, that next week also at the 8 o'clock service, at the end of the 8 o'clock service, we're going to have a baptism. So uh, you'll want to be here for that as well. All the gentleman who, uh, who is going to be baptized. So please come, hear his testimony, and uh, be witnesses to that wonderful event. First Peter 3 verse 7 is where you want to keep your finger. Uh, for today, we're going to stay in that verse, although we'll We'll be referring to some other passages just to prove our point. I want to start by asking you, let's see who is here. I don't want to pick on anyone specifically, but uh, if someone would, someone would ask you, uh, what makes a man a real man? Give me an idea. Um, how many push-ups? Herbie? Fidelity. Fidelity. I'm an Afrikaans guy. What does that mean? No, I know. But know about it. There we go. Yes. To be trustworthy is definitely one. What else? Integrity. Integrity. Okay. Two more. Be godly. Okay. Well, we can pray and go home because <clears throat> those are the things I want to say. If you can get that right, you're a real man. Big hugs. <laughs> okay, Wendy. Great. Uh, so... Some people will say a great man is someone who has the ability to garden, uh, to fix things around the house. Right, so I want to tell you that uh, if a man says he's going to fix something around the house, he'll fix it. You don't have to ask him every six months. He'll do it. Some will say a real man is someone who knows about politics and world events. Uh, Nettie bought me a, a, a Christmas gift a plaque that we have in our uh, little veranda. And uh, it says, it really is for her, she says, I don't need Google, I have a husband. <laughs> because I think I know something about everything. Some say a real man is someone who is gentle and understanding with his mother-in-law. Here's someone you have to listen to, Chuck Norris. He says, men are like steel. When they lose their temper, they lose their worth. I like that because it's Chuck Norris. I won't disagree with him. But a serious question for us today is what makes a man a real man? Very important question to answer in our day and age, right? Because uh, real men are under attack. In America, a delusional man who thinks he is a woman is celebrated as brave for putting his madness on display by becoming the Assistant Secretary for Health. Celebrities allow, even encourage their boys of as young as four years old to think that they are girls, and they encourage them. And I dare you, as I did at the eight o'clock, to post this on your Facebook page. Gender equals male and female. Gender is biological, not delusional. Then someone said to me, you do it first, so I did. You can go and check. The evil world system will want 
to break down real manhood because that breaks down God's design. But this plan of man will not succeed ultimately because God's plans stand forever, according to Psalm 33, verse 11. Here's Peter's quote for today, answering the question, what makes a man a real man? Peter says, live with your wife in an understanding way. You may think like I did, done and dusted, I understand my wife. I'm living with her in an understanding way. Don't have to listen to this today. You are going to be in trouble as much as I am if you think that, husbands. But just a quick word to the non-husbands today, the wives and the singles, girls and, and men. Wives, you can listen to this sermon because if you remember back in in January, we spoke about the role and responsibility of the wife, and your most important task as a wife is to help your husband. And you know how short our memories are. So you can benefit by reminding your husband gently and lovingly and patiently of what you hear today he must do. And I want to ask the ladies while we preach over these things that Peter gives us that makes a real man, just please refrain from... If you have to, just a gentle nudge will do. He gets it. You'll get it. The singles, the girls and the men. Girls, listen. Those who are not married yet, who may want to get married. Listen to this that you'll learn today. And as you evaluate that cute guy with a six-pack and the, the overwhelming smile, evaluate him according to what you'll learn today. And then the single men, make what you hear today a part of your priority to become a real man according to Peter, which is according to God. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. What does that mean? You may remember as we worked our way through Peter, although we skip in between, way back on the 23rd of January, we spoke about how to be a good wife. And Peter reminded the wives there of what it is that they must be. So today, eventually, after a long time of waiting, we get to that point, ladies, where you can relax, just listen to how you can help your husband, but this is really for the husbands, how to be a real man, uh, actually how to be a good husband. So Peter explains in easy terms, only one verse where the ladies had six verses, only one verse, fewer words compared to what we use for the wives so that the men can remember all that is said and understand it. That's for us. To be a real man, a good husband means to, firstly, understand the value of Jesus. And secondly, to understand the value of your wife. And then thirdly, to understand the value of prayer is a real man. So let's read, and then we'll jump into point number one. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Point number one, a real man, understand the value of Jesus. You'll say, well, I read through that whole verse now twice since you were talking, and I don't see Jesus mentioned there specifically, but you do see the likewise, right? So what is that likewise? Like what, wives? Like Jesus' wives. 
you go read through that whole chapter and uh, some portions in chapter 2, you see the likewise goes all the way back to the example of Jesus that we find in 1 Peter 2 from verse 22. He committed no sin. So, so husbands, just listen to the example of Jesus and compare that to how you conduct yourself as a real man should in your home. Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him, God, who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So Peter, elucidate, that's my new English word for the week, Peter, elucidate on what submission looks like by the words we read about Jesus. Husband, you may say, but that's Jesus. He's on his own level. How, how am I going to do that? And, by the way, you don't know my wife. Listen to this, Ephesians 5, from verse 25. Husbands, love your wife, love your wives, how? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So you can see Peter and Paul got the same message from the same God. And it's for us today, men, husbands, to listen. Husband, if you do not follow the example of Jesus in how he submitted to the Father's will for him and the church, then you are a poor witness of who Jesus is. Why would any one of your friends want to come and listen to you about your faith if you do not follow the example of Jesus. And yes, I know we fall far short, but that doesn't mean we give up. It means we are more motivated than ever to be likewise, like Jesus. Now, unless you know Jesus, unless you really know Jesus, you will not be able to value him at all. So I can't sit here, look at you, stand here, look at you, and assume that all of you are truly Christians. It's very important that you are. Many people will claim to be Christian, and they have their own opinion about what that means. What does it mean to be a Christian? They have their own opinion about why they say they are Christians. But the Bible has a very specific opinion about what a real Christian is. Here's a sample in Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. We find the result of true faith in Jesus. So test yourself just on this. It reads as follows, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Men, anyone, if you do not understand that, if you don't understand that, you need to talk to someone to explain to you what real Christianity is. But there's the summary to warn you. As husband, 
you also can have the joy of hope in the glory of God if you know who Jesus is. And that's very good news. Be like Jesus. Self-sacrificial behavior, living with your wife. And some of you may say, but as you said earlier, you don't know my wife. The things that she does sometimes drives me up the wall. And there are times, maybe even sometimes of the month, that because of what she does, no one will blame me for losing half of my Christian character. Romans continues. Romans 5, verse 3 and following. Not only that, but that not only can we get and understand who Jesus is and start living for him and following his example, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So men, think about that the next time you lose your cool because your wife did something that you didn't expect. Husband, if you want to be a real man, a good husband, then you will value Jesus. You will follow his example. You will rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You will rejoice in your suffering, even during that time of the month. You don't rely on your own superior intellect. You don't find value in your own arguments and how many times you win your, your arguments. You don't value your family traditions above the submissive, submissive attitude of Jesus and the actions of Jesus. It is not weakness that treats a wife as someone precious. It is a real man who serves his wife like Jesus serves the church. God is the designer of marriage. God's advice for fixing a broken marriage or improving an already functioning marriage begins with Jesus. Real men, good husbands, value Jesus. If you don't know and love Jesus, make him part of your life today. You don't need a special oil. You don't even need special words. You need to go on your knees, even in your mind, before God and plead for mercy. Second point, real men understand the value of his wife. A real man understand the value of his wife. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So what specifically, Peter, do you advise me to do as I attempt to value my wife? Just note, Peter addresses husbands. The meaning is a married man. A husband, therefore, is a man who is covenantally and contractually committed to a wife, who is a woman. You will notice as you read this verse that there are two references to the weaker sex, wives and women. A wife is always a woman. You cannot be a husband of another man. And if you are a man, you cannot be a wife. And a woman is biological, not mythical or imaginary. Any relationship outside of God's declared will cannot rely on God's blessings. 
Husband, says Peter, live with your wife. The word translated here as live carries the meaning of domestic association. The word, and it's sometimes also used to indicate intercourse between husband and wife. Peter's command, as you seek to value a wife, is that you are to be her close and constant companion, a living partner, a life partner. Men, are you? Husbands, are you? Or are you removed? Do you remove yourself from that close companionship because of your hobbies or your work or your friends or your online profile or your social media? Simply put, are you living with your wife or just visiting from time to time? And you may even be present in body but absent in spirit. That's not living with your wife. Nettie often encourages me not to confess too much, but here's one I have to confess because it's recent and real. We often have very good discussions when we drive. So yesterday we drove, we went uh, to the shops, and as we were driving, we had chats. Part of my attempt, because it's fresh in my mind, to live with my wife in an understanding way. So I really try and listen. And uh, I mentioned to her, because I thought it was valuable, that she is working very hard, and I noticed that she is, uh, is under stress because she, f- she finishes her bl- plate of food quicker than I do. And she listened, and she was gracious, and she said, but by the way, you're on your phone the whole time while we eat. And I thought, oh, that's true. I am. Because I think there are important things that I need to know now. And I have to respond now. Help, please, Peter. We say, how shall I live with my wife? In an understanding way. Understand your wife, he says. Not possible, you say. I agree. And the Bible agrees, by the way. That's the point. The point is it's not going to be possible completely in this life. But that's the point and the benefit. Again, the original Greek word helps us. It is translated in an understanding way. It's actually one word in the Greek, and it means to keep on seeking to know. It's in a present continuous tense. So when you say to your wife, I don't understand you, she'll say, duh, I've been trying to tell you that forever. It's just the truth. You don't, and you're never going to understand her completely in this life. And the Bible says so. Just think back to the time that you were pursuing your then-to-be wife. Her mannerisms intrigued you. Do they still? You found her to be fascinating, interesting, captivating. Not because you wanted to be solid, you know, must be like yesterday, exactly the same. So as you started to understand her, just when you think, now I get you, something changes. Maybe hormonal, maybe. Mood swings, definitely. Circumstances, for sure. Men, husbands, the changes in our wives, with no clear evidence of reason, is what makes her interesting. It's God's way of keeping you on your toes. 
And every nonsensical change is to be investigated. That's your task. When you made your vows on your wedding day, through riches and poverty, through sickness and health, good times and bad times, until death do us part, you signed up for this life with your wife, to make it your life's task as her partner, to get to know her. And you often fail, right? As I do. My wife, I know, loves many things. There are two things that stand out that she loves. She loves surprises. But there's something else that she also loves that I forgot about in this specific occasion. I bought her a fridge as a surprise, thinking she is going to love me for buying this fridge. I came home, showed her the picture, explained to her all the benefits, got it at a very good price because it's on special at Hershey's. Face dropped. I knew I was in trouble. Didn't know why. So as we spoke, got to a point where she said, it's fine, you, you did a great job, it makes sense, but the other thing I forgot about that Nettie loves is she loves shopping for something. She wanted to spend time to choose the fridge, open the doors, check how the shelves work, where can we put all the things. That's what she wanted to do. And I robbed her of that joy by choosing the fridge. That was Friday. Lunchtime, we were fine. I felt guilty. Um, Nettie was in a good place. She said, fridge is fine. We'll take it. It is a good decision, but don't worry. But don't do it again. I promised I won't. And I have not yet. She confirmed it this morning. Not yet again. Saturday morning, we have breakfast. Now we are semi excited to receive the fridge. Not completely excited, but semi-excited. The phone rings, and it's the sales guy from Hershey's. Mrs. Hatungi says, I have bad news. When we loaded your fridge this morning onto the bucky, it fell off and it is now broken. You have three options. One, you can come and get your money. Two, we can fix it for you and give you a further discount. Or three, you can come and choose another one. So we went, and three hours later, we had made the choice. <laughs> don't, dear husband, don't ever make the mistake of thinking that you know all of her. You don't. Here's a, a worthwhile saying to remember. It has been proven statistically that women who are overweight live longer than the men who remind, men of, uh, remind them of that fact. Onto the next part of the verse for my own sanity. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Often misunderstood by men uh, in this situation. Showing honor and weaker vessel, very accurate translations. The phrase weaker vessel likely refers to physical build and strength. Such a contrast would have been very uh, visible and real in the time that it was written because it was a labor-intensive culture. So it would, would have been very clear that the men are stronger physically. The context does not suggest any spiritual, intellectual, or moral inferiority, since both males and females were created in the image of God. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. And verses like Ephesians 5, verse 21 confirm that women, especially wives, are not inferior intellectually, 
spiritually or emotionally. Women are different to men, not less than men. But they are in general physically, they are in general physically not as strong. In our house, uh, Nettie will hand me a bottle to open because she can't. And uh, that would usually happen after she's asked me to find it in the fridge and I couldn't. Because someone moved it from where I put it last time. But she found it exactly where I put it. So I don't know what happens in cases like that. Maybe there's a study to be done. But she finds the bottle, I open it. After the wife finds it. So husband, if you are a real man, you will value your wife. You will obey Colossians 3 verse 19 that says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So yeah, you may make the mistake that I made and say, I I don't remember ever being harsh with Nettie. Maybe that one time about the cat, but that's another story. But I do remember, and Nettie reminded me, that sometimes we will be in a discussion and it's an interesting topic. We, we're not even at odds. We, we are agreeing about this topic. And I get excited, and my, my voice raises, and she'll say to me, don't shout at me. It always catches me by surprise, because my perception was not that I even raised my voice. But for her, that came across as harsh as if I'm shouting at her. Who is the judge of your harshness? Your wife is. If she says... The way that you close the doors is harsh. The way that you drop the toilet seat is harsh. Then that's harsh. You change it. She's the judge. Why go to all this trouble, you'll say. Why do I have to now, at my age, you maybe say, and uh, in my condition, why do I need to go to the trouble? Well, Peter gives us the reason. He says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. First Peter 3 verse 7. She is equal to her husband in the will and testament of God. Husband, you are not superior. You don't have a more important job. You don't have more rights. You don't deserve the first and the best. Here's a test. Men, are you ready? Who of you here, which families have more than one car? Come. Who of you drive the best one? Don't answer. Who controls the TV remote? Who has the best seat at the table or in the lounge? What happens with the toilet seat? Is it up or down? Where do you press the toothpaste, middle, back? Nettie and I solved that. We each have our own. (laughs) Toothpaste I'm talking about. Men, real men, will have knowing They will have knowledge of what your wife prefers, and that is what you do. That's your job, not to convince her to do it your way. I'm not here talking about equal rights. I'm talking about equal value in God's sight. Real men, you will value your wives. Number three, real men value prayer. So that your prayers may not be hindered. And here is a warning and also promised benefit. Often people will say, I pray, but it is as if God is not answering me. He's not hearing me. My prayers bounce back from the ceiling. It's a scary thought, isn't it? You are in trouble 
you're in desperate need of God's help, and you pray. You spend even more time than ever before on your knees, and it's as if God is just sitting there with his arms folded and ignoring you. One reason may be, husband, because you are not living with your wife, making an effort to understand her, valuing her as an equal partner in your relationship and not harming her. Maybe one of the reasons why God will not answer you. God says in that situation, not going to talk to you until you make an effort to value your wife. Clear as daylight. And remember that you must value Jesus before you can value your wife. If you don't obey God, why would God listen to you at all? There's also a very simple practicality in this verse, isn't there? If your relationship with your wife is strained, you've, you've, you bought the fridge without asking. There's, there's a disconnect. There's unhappiness. You will find it less profitable, less productive to pray with her and for her. It is worth sorting out the issues for your prayer life. So change it, men. If you say, difficult for me to pray with my wife, you must wonder why. Fix it. A real man values Jesus. A real man values his wife. A real man values prayer. Let me wrap it up. If you don't worship Jesus, if you don't treat your wife as valuable, then don't expect God to answer your prayers. Simple message of this verse. But the good news is that it can all change today. Because 1 John 1 verse 9 and 10 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So here's my encouragement for us men and for the women to help us and for the people who are not married yet to think about. Let's do relationships God's way. If you're married, men, find a time to sit with your woman and ask her, where in our relationship uh, am I still making mistakes? where I treat you in a way that you don't want to be treated, and where do I not treat you in a way that you want to be treated? You may want to go out somewhere on a date, and that is the topic. And men, our wives do not want to be fixed. They want to be listened to. Last word, women, don't be more like men. And men, don't be more like women. Be real men. Let's pray. Father, as we think about this simple verse, we as men must confess that it is one of the most difficult verses for us to obey. I do pray, Lord, if anyone here today is struggling to understand or to apply what we have said today, I pray that you'll intervene. Help the men to put their pride in their pockets and ask for help if they need help. Help the wives to be gentle and kind and patient as they help us to do what we need to do. And help us, Lord, to do all of this for your glory. And if anyone here today do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
Oh, Father, make today the day of salvation. Because without that, we have no hope in this life or in the one that will follow. Amen.